Yo, yo, this is Matthew Aaron with Crypto 101. And if you notice, this episode's logo is orange. And that's because this is not an episode of Crypto 101. This is an episode of ICO 101 starring Elise Lam. The Crypto 101 team has decided to try to come out with a new brand of podcast. And this one is focusing on ICOs. Elise wants to give you the information about ICOs or new companies on the blockchain before they hit the exchanges and before you invest into it. So please listen to this interview that Elise has done. And if you like it, please go to iTunes, ICO 101 and subscribe. Leave us a comment. We read all the comments and your suggestions will be added to the new episodes so that we can improve. So thank you very much and enjoy. We decide who your friends will be, where you go to school, who you marry. Please check us out on Crypto101podcast.com and you can find our profiles there. Uh, you can send a message and say what's up. You can join our Facebook group to you know ask questions. You can interact with other people in the community. Also check out our Twitter handles and Patreon page as well. Today we have on John Omalia of Avance Hub. He is trying to democratize the AI marketplace using blockchain. And I really appreciate that he's not going to launch an ICO until there is a working product. As you can see with the rest of the industry, that's totally different. He's also refusing investments from big corporations in the AI field in order to maintain integrity of their data and avoid conflict of interest. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to the world's first artificially intelligent operating system. We'd like to ask you a few questions. Okay. Are you social or antisocial? I guess I haven't been social in a while. How would you describe your relationship with your mother? Thank you. Please wait as your operating system is initiated. Hello, I'm here. Hi. Hi, I'm Samantha. sum up Avance Hub in a few sentences for the listeners? Sure. Avance Hub is a blockchain-based AI ecosystem that puts AI development in the public view and ensures that it remains there. So we will transform AI research, make AI relevant and applicable to our everyday lives, and empower humanity. That's the ultimate goal. So let's talk about you. Like, how, how did you get into this field and how did you get into AI? Well, AI was um, was a funny one. It was I've been in I started out my career in finance and was a, an options trader back when one could wear a funny jacket and shout and scream on the on the trading floor. Mm-hmm. It kind of dates me a little bit, maybe. But anyway, so that uh, that led me into a variety of other activities, including um, online gaming. I owned a European facing sports book that I sold to party gaming um, back in 2006 and was after then working with party for a while. Uh, when I left party, I was kind of taking some time off and 
and really kind of focusing on a little work-life balance. And then my wife and I had a, a boy in 2012, and that kind of changed everything. That was right around the time that DeepMind was making extraordinary advances with their reinforcement learning algorithms when they were beating Atari for the first time and really watching that artificial intelligence wave hit were at the same time that that I had my own little little organic intelligence developing along right right next to me in in the form of my son it was kind of a perfect storm of fascination for the interaction between those two spaces so I started to really get into neuroscience and AI and um, and the connections to human intelligence. And that really is the thread that takes us through to to what we're doing now. So, so I'd say my interest in AI definitely was led my interest in crypto. We've been building AI solutions for a couple of years now, and we're particularly focused, again, maybe this is inspired in no small part by having a son and, and thinking about, okay, what is the AI, what form should AI take if He's going to have a, a great future, um, not from a financial perspective, but from a sort of societal perspective. How is AI going to be? What under what circumstances is AI going to be an amazing outcome for people? And for me, that's not necessarily the whole AGI, artificial general intelligence direction. That's not really about. A, a lot of people say that that could change society, it could create a life of leisure for humanity because we wouldn't need to work anymore. But I think in a lot of ways, one one wants to be meaningful and one wants to be and, and some people find a lot of meaning in work. So um, so saying AGI is the future um, of humanity is is not something that sits very well with me. I'm we're, so I think more in terms of human empowerment. Right. Can and, you explain what AGI means for the, the general audience? Absolutely. So artificial general intelligence is um, is what all the big companies are sort of working toward and AGI is is the moment when an when an artificially intelligent algorithm or agent is able to understand the way the world in the way in the same the way that we do that is is understand able to kind of understand and synthesize all sorts of different facts and things and associate them in a way and come to a conclusion about what what actions it should take. So, you know, humans are amazing at um, at sort of taking random, seemingly random bits of information from various places and synthesizing them together and say, actually, what does this mean for the price of Bitcoin? And and coming up with a conclusion about that 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 may be very sensible or not. Uh, but in any case, the you know artificial gel, general intelligence is still very far off because. The algorithms that we have now are tuned to very specific challenges. So, for instance, um, DeepMind just put out a new algorithm um, and has now beaten all the other chess algorithms. Wow. It just happened this week. Um, it's called AlphaZero. So they they beat the ancient Chinese game of Go some time ago. Um, and now they've just come out with this new algorithm, which is much more generic in the sense that not only can it beat Go, it can also beat chess. It can beat, I've forgotten what the name of the Japanese version of chess is, but there's a, a Japanese version and it's beaten that as well. So it's a generic algorithm that can apply itself to all of those board games and trounce any other algorithm or any other, certainly any other human. But still, if you take that algorithm and say, wow, this thing's amazingly powerful, let's trade stocks with that or let's trade Bitcoin using that algorithm. Well, that's where it falls short because 
when you take it away from this board game and say, okay, what are the rules of Bitcoin? Well, it's you know <laughs> sort of like Fight Club. Uh, what are the rules? There are no rules, right? How do you determine the value of a Bitcoin? Because there's no knowable outcome, right? There's no knowable way of winning, uh, and no no end state of of Bitcoin. It's very difficult to take those algorithms and apply them to a situation like that. You know, the amazing power of those things is that they can solve extremely high dimensional and very challenging um, environments like chess and Go, but you know, you ask them to understand today's trading action in Bitcoin and the algorithm wouldn't know where to start. So so that's why everybody's looking toward artificial general intelligence to say, look, if you can, what we want is an algorithm that can solve chess and turn around and trade Bitcoin, right? And and sort of do everything in between. And and that's really that's really sort of where all the the big movements in AI are going. But again, when I look at that, I think, wait a minute, you know, they've created these amazingly powerful algorithms and they say, well, what's really lacking is the ability to, you know, we need to build in these machines with human like intuition and human like um, ability to deal with sparse data and make assumptions and sort of, you know, make rough estimates about things using the context that we have from living our lives and come up with good solutions. And, you know, that, that's what they're trying to re-engineer. And our view is, hang on. So you've got these amazingly powerful algorithms that are computationally amazing, but just don't have human-like insight and human-like um, expertise and context. And they're like, yeah, so so that we're trying to replicate that. And our view is, well, wait a minute. Why don't you just use humans for that bit, right? If If the thing that AI is truly amazing at is all this high dealing with high dimensional data. And we see that in our, uh, in our existing business, which is um, we build recommendation engines for things like sports betting and, and games of helping people you know, when somebody, so for sports betting, if somebody logs on uh, to a sports betting site and says, okay, uh, they, they're there for a reason. They, they have something in mind. So we try to help the operator say, how can you service that client better? And the algorithm can understand past activity in the context of today's activity and say, I bet that person is going to want to do X, Y, or Z. So all this, these high dimensional data uh, things, and IoT is a great example, right? If you look at companies out there that have IoT sensors sprinkled around um, their installations, you take big manufacturing installations, it's a forest of data. It's far more data than a person can deal with. And yet it's kind of difficult as well for AI to deal with because they don't have context about um, today's weather or, oh yeah, that thing, we're trying that new piece on that one assembly line. So if that happens, I bet it's related to this, right? We can sort of synthesize those contextual bits of information and AI struggles with that. Right. Um, from my understanding, I believe that Avans Hub is more of a, a marketplace, so where researchers can put up their work and get paid for those research and patents. So how does the average person use this platform? Is this request-based or do, you know, academic researchers just post their work and eventually somebody will find it useful? Uh, that's a great question. I think what our vision and one of the reasons that we're starting off with this focus on human directed AI is because it's a real kind of gap in the market and it sort of connects AI to everyday human needs. So our goal with Avance Hub is to say, 
let's take this technology that really kind of wraps itself around people and, and empowers them and does something specifically for them. And then let's create an exchange where people can access that technology. So that that's that was sort of the genesis of Events Hub. And, you know, so we're working toward both things. So we're creating two novel things. We're creating this exchange, as you say, for AI information. And I've been dealing with exchanges for a long time. So we know it's important to have a lot of information for people who come to the exchange for the first time and say, what can I, what can I get here? What, why is this good for me? And one of the reasons that we thought it's so important to focus on human-directed AI that is enhancing human capability with, with artificial intelligence is because that's really going to drive attention and and focus to this exchange. So you get, you know, by creating a product that, you know, that hundreds of thousands and millions of people are going to want to access, um, you create then this um, this liquidity effect where the exchange starts to see a lot of interest and traffic. And that in turn generates the incentives for researchers to come out and say, hey, actually, I've got some interesting technology too. Um, let's put it in this place where people are going to discover it, uh, where people are already visiting in order to to generate further further interests. It's much like the anchor tenant com- concept in a mall. Um, one needs a reason for people to come. And so we're creating these agents, these human-directed AI agents that we call wingman agents, and they're effectively designed to do exactly that, to give people the ability to use AI in their everyday kind of work and play lives and to, you know, to, to have ways of really connecting with this technology and using it. Because right now it's still mostly... Uh, big corporate applications, right? People are talking about vision systems and, you know, detecting things in video. So they're saying, okay, well, YouTube can use this because they can target advertisers based on the content of a video. That's great for them, but, you know, it doesn't mean much uh, to me. So what's interesting to me is perhaps things like technologies which might help me, you know, when I download a, or when I take a picture of my, of my boy and I've got some, you know, some whatever, something bizarre in the background to say, gosh, can't you just get rid of that, you know, that passing truck um, and for have the, to have an algorithm that can know what I'm referring to, right? Look in that photo and say truck and then sort of reconstruct from the other photos what the background should actually be and make that happen. All of those things are possible right now with AI, but the way in which we deal with, you know, the way we access those services is is still clumsy. So we're looking to kind of change that to make AI much more relevant and accessible to people. And at the same time, then create this exchange where people say, wow, oh, my gosh, and I can do this now as well. And so that that's really the goal. So if we can put an algorithm up there that, you know, to go back to the to what I mentioned right. earlier, if I can put an algorithm up there that helps people understand today's trading action in Bitcoin. If they have an algorithm that they can literally talk to and say, wait a minute, what about this? And what about the correlation with, you know, with um, with other currencies, right? Is there another currency that's trading similarly or maybe opposite to to Bitcoin's action that I should be looking at or trading off? Um, things like that are are within can be achieved today, uh, but there's nobody building that. So um, so our goal is to say, look, let's start creating AI that responds to people, the human directed AI. Um, let's put it on the exchange and let's open source that technology so that everybody can kind of riff on that and develop it. But we think that's 
And that's really kind of a perfect application of blockchain is to um, to put these things out in the in the public so people can evolve them, change them, and then relist something, right? Or I could take an algorithm right. and train it with my Bitcoin trading strategies and then put it on the exchange and say, this thing really works. Give it a try, right? And if you like it. Is it going to be kind of like a GitHub for AI uh, in which people get paid for their contributions? And um, so your wingman application will be sort of like an app where it's easy to use and uh, you can apply those algorithms directly onto your mobile device, right? That's exactly it, right. So we're trying to create really highly usable AI applications that people can download, can then, and, and we think we're fascinated by the ecosystem of AI, which is there's the creation of research and, and the creation of algorithms in the first place. And then there's somebody who says, you know what, I'm going to take that algorithm and I'm going to put it in an application that you can download to your phone that you can talk to about the Bitcoin price. Wow. Yeah. And you know, and create and, you know, create trading strategies and ask the ask that little algorithm, you know, what happens if I were to do this? Right. What if my strategy were to do buy it here and sell it there based on these other factors? How would that play out? Right. And the agent can then go out and and churn through that data and come back. So, again, you've got a researcher who maybe created a predictive algorithm for markets. Um, and then you have somebody who says, I'm going to take that. I'm going to put it within this wingman stack, within this human language and human iteration stack. So everybody's contributing a piece, right? And each of those, we have something called the contribution chain. Each of those contributors can be compensated through that smart contract. So when you or I download that, um, download that application for $10, we can, you know, we know that 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 the compensation is going to flow to all the people who created that. So it's and, you know, because right now I think um, there's this phenomenon where right now researchers kind of have two options. And those options are either stay in academia, um, mm -hmm. which is great, or to go to work for one of the big companies because you can't afford the com compute and you know because nobody's really building that many real retail applications and nobody's compensating pure research so if if you come up with an amazing algorithm for um, recognizing crypto kitties in in, in youtube video <laughs> you put it out there and you think hey there's this amazing algorithm i'm using a new technology and it, it's super effective and there's no way for you to earn money off the back of that. You publish on, on, on archive.org and nothing comes back, right? right? People may cite you, quote you or whatever, but there's nothing that comes back. And we we think that's a little upside down because what it, what it does is it takes all those researchers and it forces them into these two choices. Either you stay in academia or you go and work for, admittedly, some great companies, right? right. The Googles and the Bidens and the Tencents who are, who are making amazing progress in these spaces. But I don't like the fact that people don't have a choice if, if they're interested in contributing to this field. So we think by creating a marketplace where if I put it up there and there's enough, uh, and, and a big part of what we did is from the beginning, we said, look, this platform is or, you know, in, in looking toward an ICO, the only thing that makes sense for us is if half the the total tokens are reserved for people who contribute to the exchange. So half of the tokens are essentially locked into a box where they get unlocked. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, unlocked over time, essentially by people who contribute research and training and all these other things to the exchange. So you, ideally, if, if you know, we can create a platform that, that adds a lot of value, you'd get this ever-growing pool that, that draws more and more research into this open domain. So that's kind of the thing. Again, it's sort of priming the pump using human-directed AI to get interest to the exchange, and that interest in the exchange then generating this pool of value that draws in research. And if you can really get that machine going then uh, and using you know the the catalyst of of this inf- of this enthusiasm around ICOs at the moment mm-hmm. then ourselves as being able to to really change that whole ecosystem to the benefit of everyone because the one concern that I have in, in today's model, and and again, credit to the companies that are doing things the way they're doing at the moment, where when DeepMind comes out with AlphaZero, they release it. Essentially, they talk about their technology, they talk about their approach, and and everybody's collaborative and everyone's contributing. And Apple took a little side road a couple of years ago, and and, and they weren't contributing any of their research. And, uh, and everyone in the community really thought that was was kind of a bad play because it leaves them out on the outside looking in. And it's a little bit like the Tour de France. If you've ever seen the Peloton, right, charging along, it seems like this endless mass of, of people and this endless mass of collaborative force barreling down the road. And no single individual or even even a small block of individuals is incapable of separating themselves for any length of time from that from that juggernaut. And we see AI as being very similar. Everybody's collaborating. Everybody's sharing information. And the speed and the velocity of change is extraordinary. I've literally never seen anything like it, the pace that that, um, the AI research is continuing at. Uh But the funny thing is, you know, we mentioned AGI before. And if you think of AGI as the finish line, right, artificial general intelligence, which could kind of change everything, one I guess our our concern and the reason that we think Events Hub is important is that at the moment that AGI is in sight, right, that some group thinks, hey, hang on, I think I've got an approach that might just get me there. The moment that they think they're going to crack AGI first, we believe that there's a, a real risk that like in the Tour de France, where the collaboration suddenly disappears, every it's every man for himself, every man or woman for himself. And and they all they all break apart, right? And the collaboration disappears, and it's a sprint. <laughs> and we're concerned about that in AI because the moment that somebody spies AGI in the distance, it's they spy the finish line. We're concerned that the peloton turns into a sprint, and collaboration stops overnight. And all of a sudden, this sort of consistent flow of hey, everybody's sharing information suddenly disappears. Because if you're the company that thinks that they might get across the line first you have to stop publishing and push, right? That, you know, it's the, from a game theoretical perspective, it's the smart thing to do. So, but it's terrible for society, right? Because then all of a sudden you end up with five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten companies that suddenly have a complete lock on, on this more or less all powerful technology. We control everything you do, everything you think, everything you 
your friends will be, where you go to school, who you marry, how many kids you will have, and the car you will drive, and at what speed. We will make you work for money, and tell you how you spend it, and modify your seeds. We will sell you drugs and put you in jail for buying them. We know what's best. to um, academia, though, from how I am understanding it, PhD researchers just work for their schools and all the works that they do, they just the university eventually owns it. Right. And they just get paid uh, a salary. So how do you think exactly. uh, your application will change that for academia? Well, we think that um, with academia, certainly a big part of our um of the principle of the exchange would be that any research posted on on Events Hub should be, even if it's a commercially exploitable opportunity, so somebody would be charging for their research, we believe that all of that research should be open for academic development. So, so that's a big part of, of, of our principles is to say, look, research has to be open to academia. Even if somebody might say, look, rightfully, they've developed something valuable, let's put it on Events Hub and, and collect fees for it. But the actual research that led to that insight needs to remain public so that the exchange can foster further research and development. And right now, as you say, researchers are, their opportunity is essentially, you know, if, if you're a professor or you're a, um, you have a PhD and you're working um, at or for a university, then yeah, the university is typically going to gather that economic value from those inventions. Um, there are some exceptions, and each university, there are a lot of universities are, are toying with different models where they say, well, perhaps people who do research can can seek to exploit those things themselves or or in outside companies where the university takes a stake in that. And we think that all of those models should be explored. I. I think it's important and valuable for for the research uh, institutions that generate this research to be uh, themselves compensated and have the funding to continue to advance this space and others. But the researchers themselves should be able to, in our opinion, capture some of the value that they create. I mean, somebody, um, Jürgen Schmidhuber, uh, one of the one of the fathers of, of modern AI algorithms um, he and uh, and the people that he was working with back in the 1990s came up with LSTMs um, long short-term memory networks which are still the foundation of a lot of the algorithms that you see today <laughs> they didn't get anything for it and and it's an absurdity right because you look at the amount of research that still uses those at their at their core and it, it's extraordinary so for us again you know the founders the people who create you know they you could say uh, if you wanted to draw bitcoin parallels you know schmidhuber would probably see himself as the uh, as the satoshi of a lot of ai algorithms out there today and you know i think a lot of people would think it perfectly valid if if he had um, had sort of economically had a chance to um, to capture some of that because he did you know if somebody changes the world there should be there should be value to that I think mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I'm excited for that. I have a lot of PhD friends that are, you know, basically poor college students up until they can get a job. Right. Yeah. No, and and we think that's um, that's an extraordinary situation, right? Because all of these, um, and again, a lot of the institutions are uh, people like Google and Google Brain and DeepMind and Baidu, and you know, look, they're all creating a lot of demand for smart people who've spent their, <laughs> their lives figuring out the deepest secrets of mathematics and things like that. And those jobs or those people, sadly, didn't have a great economic outlet for their skills. Now that's starting to change. But again, now they're locked into that one career path, right? You can join one of those big guys. Again, we think that there should be more range and more potential. So if if one of your friends has that, that special idea that they think is important, maybe they could kind of put a project out there on the exchange and say, hey, well, I want some backers. I'm going to explore this in this research space and get people to, you know, kind of turn it into almost a crowdfunding type of thing where the product of that. So the person would say, look, I want a state, you know, I'm willing to take stakeholders, um, you know, so that I can afford to focus on this research and, you know, I'll give them 20% of my future of this algorithm that I'm working on. Uh-huh. You know, those, those kind of hybrid, um, Opportunities, I think, are fascinating, right? And I could see that being a very, very interesting and viable way for people to sort of um, put themselves out there and say, look, I want to spend, you know, I I think I've got a breakthrough in me in this particular space. I'm going to take this as far as I can. And you'll find people will, will back that. And I think it kind of creates a little venture ecosystem around around AI that I think would lead to some really fresh, independent thinking and and that's what's going to lead to the next breakthrough. We think that there's a big opportunity, and this is part of the design of Avance. We think there's a big opportunity in making tokens more interoperable. So the, the goal is not to create a closed ecosystem. You know, we, we believe that people should, as I mentioned earlier about people creating their own projects or saying, hey, I'm going to develop this algorithm or this program and getting staking for it. We think projects like that, even projects outside of Avance Hub could be all sort of interconnected from a financial perspective. So mm-hmm. um, we, we'd like to to foster that interoperability between platforms and between currencies. We're super excited by some of the, the swaps, you know, the direct decentralized swaps that have been I- engineered lately with Lightning and things like that. I think those technologies are, are going to really um, transform all of our lives in terms of how we can create interoperability and flexibility between these platforms. We, we appreciate that, you know, a new token for every project is, is its own challenge. Again, we think that there is so much value in the AI ecosystem that it makes sense. And because we're so focused on creating a, a, a compensation and a, and a, and a sort of a, an incentive pool for researchers to change that whole ecosystem, that it makes sense. Um, anyway, that, that's kind of the, our thinking on that. Oh, yeah. Um, going back to the ICO, when are you um, hoping to have an, your your first initial coin offering? Well, we had been looking um, to to go out around this time, um, but you know, there's been so much focus, or there's been such a flood of ICOs, and we thought that it would be perhaps difficult to get our voice heard. And I think to separate ourselves a little bit from the, we wanted to let things, you know, let the wheat separate from the chaff a bit. I think there are a lot of things going out there that are very noisy and much promoted without without kind of a long-term 
really strong ecosystem plan around them. So I think what we'll probably end up doing is the having the ICO around March, April time. And right now we've uh, we focus on we raise some funding um, through conventional equity and have been building these human directed AI agents. So now we're just getting closer and closer to launching those. So and that certainly reinforces the value of the ICO. Uh, we saw a lot of people out there launching without product, without even a roadmap. And we thought, okay, let's let's separate ourselves by by proving this conceptually and and showing the value of human directed AI, and and launching around the same time. So we'll have our first kind of uh, test agents ready around that same time. So that seems to us a, a good time to to go out with an ICO and say, look, we've got a proven concept here so that people can really see how that technology is going to impact their lives, and then look to uh, create the ICO for events and uh, and push it out there. So, how will your tokens break down? So, the tokens are um, essentially we've got a founders pool of about twenty percent. Then we've got fifty percent reserved for contributors to the ecosystem. So, all of the people, all of the researchers over time. So that leaves thirty percent, and the majority of that will be in the ICO with a little bit for. We have some marketing partners and things um, who, who get a few tokens here and there, but primarily it's. 20 founders, 50% ecosystem incentives for participants and especially researchers, and then 30% to the public. Would Wingman be available by that time? Yes, that's that's exactly why we're that's why we're building what we're building. Okay. So. Um, Will we? It won't. It will be the architecture is now. Uh, we filed for our patent on it um, in order to to make sure that the value kind of vests within the platform. But we'll then be open sourcing it um, for everyone who wants to build wingman agents on the platform. And um, and yeah, we'll be we'll be showing off our first agents, and um, it'll be early, right? They'll be relatively um, in the context of of our ambitions for what these agents will do over time. They'll be relatively modest, mm-hmm. but everyone will be able to see the. We believe that they'll be able to see the the potential for for how really having an AI that listens to, learns from, and then and then adapts to people, that's an extraordinary thing. It's not sort of Siri that says, okay, I'm trying to understand what information you're looking for. It truly is, oh, yeah. learns from- She is awful. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. When one really understands where the research is, and we spend a lot of time looking at the stuff that comes off the stack, literally on a daily basis. But again, the collaboration is is- awe-inspiring in terms of the things that are the research that's being contributed, the ideas that are being produced. Um, And we just thought, you know, look, let's take, you know, there's this piece, there's that piece. You know, you put all of these pieces together in a stack and it creates magic. It's sort of like when you look at what Apple did with the iPhone, um, they didn't take things that didn't exist before, but they just put things together in a way that changed people's lives. And that's what we think Wingman can be. Mm -hmm. And and that's why we're so excited about putting that out in and using that again, assuming we're right about that, that it's going to change people's lives and putting that um, out there in a way that that a the public can access it and iterate on it and improve upon it uh, and push it into sort of the far reaches of uh, things that we can't even imagine from, you know, right now we've got great use cases and things like music creation and um, spaces like that, but it, it's going to take legions of people deploying that technology stack into those spaces to 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 cover all the ground it's 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 hugely wide and expensive so we're excited about that and we think again the blockchain is such a perfect way to do it and make sure that everybody gets 
compensated for the for their contribution. We think mm-hmm. it's it's kind of hopefully it's it's the really pure application of the spirit yeah. of blockchain. I mean, besides just the compensation part of it, I believe that once you know you post up uh, an algorithm or a research, then because it's on a decentralized system, right? Nobody can alter it, even the government. We really have like true facts up on the uh, your platform. Yeah, and and sort of timestamping that and say who was first, right? You solve all of those problems, and everybody complains solve about all the, the patents. patents and IPs. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the patent system is such a disaster, and and you're right. We think that that addresses a lot of that, and and certainly that model we think can go far beyond AI. I mean, we'll, we'll we're trying to solve it for this ecosystem, but I think what we're doing will certainly have parallels in other spaces. What do you think futures on um, cryptocurrency is going to affect it? How is it going to affect it? I'll be interested to see whether the flows in futures markets are going to um, hold a candle to the uh, to the volumes that go through in the real market. So a lot of times volumes shift on a proxy basis out of cash markets and into futures markets because they're so much easier to trade. I think the the amazing thing about having a future on Bitcoin is it kind of takes care of or at least mitigates to a huge extent the um, the custody problem, right? So giving people the ability to get into crypto, and that could be what's driving you know price action right now. Giving people uh, the ability to get into crypto who aren't real, willing to deal with all of that overhead mm-hmm. of holding things yourself, um, etc., and all of the you know hacking risk and all of these other things. By removing that, you can't imagine how powerful that is for for organizations, right? If you know, and I was talking to a uh, a private banker who deals with ultra high net worth individuals, mm-hmm. and and said, "What are you What are you guys doing with this, or, or what do you think?" And he said, "Well, in the bank, everybody's trading it, but you know, all of us in the bank, we love it, but not a single client." And this conversation was four months ago. Not a single client of theirs has even asked about it. Nobody has a stake. Nobody has asked about it. They're not even... So you're talking the vast majority of the planet's wealth is in the hands of people who hadn't touched it yet, at least as of four months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's... So, you know, you give them... Now, by putting it on a future, all of a sudden that person might go, well, maybe maybe a tiny something, right? Um, whereas they wouldn't because, oh, hacking and wallet and how and hold and custody, etc. Um, wouldn't touch it. So that's what I think the futures market changes. I think it it opens it up and it, you know, you give those people, you know, if that person tells their discretionary private banker, well, give me a little bit of exposure, a tiny bit can't hurt, right? If, if you know, if 10% of those people say that, then, you know, then 18,000 is the beginning. The song I'm playing is called Sheeple by Proc, Fitch, and Green Velvet. Please enjoy.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.